to invite the kiddos to join me if you want to move a little closer. I'm going to sit down and try not to fall over. We're just going to talk for a minute. Have you ever watched a superhero movie? I love them. And one thing that I really, really like is how these characters need people to help them become the best they can be. In so many of these stories, we have a friend or a parent or a mentor that helps this superhero become who they were made to be. When I was a little girl growing up in the church, I loved all the people that I got to be around because they helped me learn how to be the best that I could be. And that was very, very special. And that started when I was a little tiny baby and my parents brought me before God and the church for the ritual of baptism. A ritual is something that we do using objects or words or actions to help connect us to God with tangible things that we can touch. So in the ritual of baptism, my parents brought me before the church. And alongside the church, they promised that they would teach me about God, about God's love, and the importance of loving other people. So when Jesus was brought to the temple by his parents to be presented to God, I hear that and I connect with it. See, Simeon and Anna were there waiting. They were there to see Jesus and to be the first people to tell him and to remind his parents of the greatness that he would be. Because of them, Jesus was able to recognize the gifts that he had. And because of the special people in our lives, we're able to recognize the gifts that we have. And although we might not all wear stretchy, flashy spandex suits, we all have some pretty cool masks that we've been wearing lately. And we can all do things like superheroes to help save the world. You want to pray with me? Dear God, thank you for the gift of Jesus and for the gift of Simeon and Anna and for the ways that they saw who Jesus really was. Remind us of who you have created us to be and help us to do our part to make this world a better place. Amen. It was nice talking with you. I wish you were here in person so we could swap favorite superhero stories. When I first looked at this text that Aaron read for us, I thought, there's not a lot here. It's just a little story. But then I took some time to dig into it and I discovered that there was so much hiding in this text and so many places that we could go that it took me way too long to figure out what I was going to say today. We have a hymn of praise to God that was shared by Simeon. We have these two examples of lifelong prophetic dedication. 
we observe two parents following in the traditions and rituals of their faith, presenting their child to God in the temple. We have hints as to the economic status of Mary and Joseph for them bringing two pigeons to sacrifice instead of a lamb. We could draw connections between the symbolism of these pigeons that were sacrificed in the celebration of Jesus. We can play around with the names of Simeon and Anna and find alternative meanings and connections that the author of this gospel text may not have even intended to connect. There are so many things. So when we read this text, we learn that the Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he would not see death until he had seen this Messiah. If we look back at the original text and its original language in which it was written, Simeon's words can be interpreted as meaning that he is now released from life or he is now released from his vigil of waiting for the Messiah. And these are two very different takes. For a long time, the weirdest, most unnecessarily miserable day out of every year for me is New Year's Day. For something that's promoted as a fresh start and a new beginning, it sure feels like an ending to some of the most beautiful months of the year. For two months, my life has felt fuller and more full of joy. In a normal year, I can be around my family, have fun gatherings with my friends, look around at all the Christmas lights and decorations, and it literally feels like there's magic all around me. But once New Year's Day arrives, it's like that ends. The new year has officially started and we've made plans for what it will look like, but we have no idea what is going to happen. Just think about this time last year as we were all getting ready for 2020, what was supposed to be a great year and how unimaginable the current state of this world would have been to us then. 2020 had great, such great potential. So many clever hashtags and fun sayings that could have been made from it. But it's looked quite different than we expected. I wonder what Simeon and Anna expected meeting the Messiah would look like. After all, they'd been waiting their whole lives. I bet they had big plans. Did they know it would be in such a simple ritualistic way? An exciting moment then followed but more unknown and waiting? Were they let down? This little baby did not bring instant change and was certainly not the form of infantry they were expecting. Instead of a new beginning, the first of the year can feel like a letdown to many of us. It is estimated that over 3% of the population suffers from seasonal affective disorder, which starts the end of fall and lasts through spring. In my experience, the holidays can serve as a distraction, but once they're over and the new year has started, seasonal affective disorder can really set in for many people. It's also known as SAD, 
which makes me think of those trash bag commercials when someone is taking out the trash and the bag busts, and then somebody hops in and they say, don't get sad, get glad. It's great. I'm really glad for you. But either way, no matter what the vessel is, it's still going to hold my trash. And while I enjoy lavender, lavender-scented trash bags that are stretchy as to not break are not going to bring me joy or keep me from being sad. In such a fake-it-till-you-make-it society, we experience the temptation to be fine, to push through, to just change our attitude. And while there is something to that in some cases, there is also power in naming what is sitting heavy with us, what is burdening us, and the ways that our trash bag has busted all over the place. You can't clean up a mess until you acknowledge that it's there. Depression and anxiety impact many of us. Mental and emotional struggles are real. Mental health is important. Therapy and counseling do not make us weak. Rather, they show us how strong we really are. Pretending like everything is fine when it isn't helps no one. I think there is this struggle to find balance between hope and toxic positivity. There are things that we work hard towards and we put time and effort into manifesting. But then there's this idea of toxic positivity that if you think something hard enough and pretend to be positive about everything, you'll get anything and everything that you want. So many sectors of Christianity have thrived by teaching these concepts that if you stay positive, God will give you an overabundance of material gifts, basically anything you want, leading many to believe that they are superior to others who do not have the same blessings. But I don't believe that that's what God's blessing looks like. And that's certainly not the blessing that is illustrated by Simeon in this text. He clearly named the struggle as well as the gift that meant being parents to Jesus for Mary and Joseph. This past Monday night on the winter solstice, my spouse and I sat outside around our fire pit. Thanks, mom and dad. And we did a little ritual release with some friends over Zoom. My core group of friends are all involved in ministry, whether ourselves or by marriage. So sometimes we find ways to do church among ourselves. And for our ritual of release, we wrote down things that we wanted to release. Some were things that had served us for a while, but now it was time to move on from. Others were bad tendencies that we've picked up over the years. Others were things that have caused us deep pain. We admitted some of our deepest fears and confessed some of our greatest burdens. And there was something mesmerizing about watching these things, these struggles, disappear into these flaming fingers of orange, pink, and blue. And by writing these down and then placing them in the fire, it served as a way to release them. A ritual to clear out the soul. It was a, a ritual of release and of looking ahead.
Rituals are a weird concept for some people to talk about, and you may think I'm sounding too hokey-pokey or hippy-dippy talking about rituals in church, but they are part of our tradition, and they are all over this scripture text. Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to the temple was ritual. Bringing the pigeons to sacrifice alongside their presentation of this child in the temple was ritual. Committing your firstborn child to God was a ritual. And Simeon sweeping in and lifting this child out of the arms of his parents, raising him up and presenting him to God was ritual. And Anna, this prophet, and her daily routine, night and day, it tells us, of prayer and fasting in the temple. All of these rituals marked another beginning, a shift, another space where the divine spirit was recognized. And that's what rituals can do for us. Rituals help us learn about ourselves by looking outside of ourselves to help us reflect and discover God in different ways. Simeon says of Jesus, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. How wonderful. We have heard our nativity story so many times that it's easy to forget the wide range of characters who encountered Jesus in the first years of his life. There were shepherds, important people, often smelly, dirty, forgotten on the outskirts of the community. We had an engaged but unmarried couple, one of which who may have been a widow, the other a young girl who'd never been with child before. There were visitors from another land, another region, bringing gifts that were important in their culture, finding Christ by using their own rituals and ways of navigating the world by following a star. They were from a different class, culture, race, and religion. And now we have an older man and an older widowed woman who were at home in the temple They were there to greet Jesus and bear witness to him. Simeon's words highlight the way that Jesus is brought up, nurtured, and prepared in the presence of all people. Just as our beloved nativity story illustrates. See, our cultural obsession with positivity and how things should be can kidnap this story and cause us to forget how multifaceted our connection is to others because of Jesus. Simeon's blessing is powerful and that it also serves as a foreshadowing to an ending, a prediction of the falling and then rising of this Messiah, naming that the very one who came to help unify this embodiment of love who was truly for all people would be used as an excuse to further divide and separate people. And because of this, the inner truth in each of us will be revealed. In Feasting on the Word, which is a commentary that I used while I was preparing for the sermon, the writer highlighted this theme of falling and rising. 
And that feels like I'm saying it backwards. I naturally say rise and then fall, up then down, day then night. Empires rise and fall. But when it comes to this journey, oftentimes we must fall before we can rise. And that is yet another way that Jesus makes it clear that we must release our need for nepotism and lean into the ways that help everyone rise. We must release our fear that if someone else rises, it means that we will fall. Friends, that's not how this works. I attended a virtual conference a few months ago called Evolving Faith, and Jen Hatmaker delivered this beautiful message that was centered around resurrection. She said, if Jesus placed his woundedness next to ours, we can place our resurrection next to his. That did and still does give me chills. Jesus is with us in our falling and our rising, in our struggle and in our release. We can place our falling and rising next to Jesus's. We can place our release and connection to all people next to Jesus's. We can commit to being part of a community that prepares others to do even greater things and invite even more love into this world. We can mirror this intentionality set by Jesus's parents, echoed by the people of this faith community to offer this life to God so that the world might find salvation. This is a ritual and religious release of our control over everything and our addiction to favoritism. A presentation of our commitment to a life that brings peace and love and hope and joy and restoration to this world. Logically, Simeon and Anna had to make a choice after they met Jesus to just give up and die or to move on to something else. The end of their story is not just seeing the little baby Jesus. We are told that they will see the Messiah before they die, but not necessarily that seeing the Messiah will mark their deaths. Even though we don't know the rest of their story, it still continued. And could Anna and Simeon have presented themselves to God yet again to be on the watch for this new way of life that was coming alongside Jesus? I like to think that Anna and Simeon return to their homes and bask in this peace, not a peace that the rule of Israel had been relieved or that the Roman Empire was not controlling them or even a peace that someone knew had come into governmental power. Rather, they had a peace that could only come with hope for a better future. The next time we see Jesus in the Gospels, he's back at the temple at the age of 12, asking questions. And I like to think that Simeon and Anna played a crucial role in the way that Jesus connected to this place of worship. Their wholehearted welcome, support, and acknowledgement of who he was made the temple a place where he could learn and ask questions. They were released from their job of waiting to welcoming. 
They were no longer constantly on the lookout for the anointed one. And Jesus was able to show up as his full self, holy and human. And so the text tells us that Jesus grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. And this is the place that I had planned to wrap everything up for you in a pretty little bow and have a clever closing sentence and go and sit back down, hopefully not having gotten in too much trouble. Yet I'd be a hypocrite if I did that because I would be doing what I said not to do a few minutes earlier to pretend like everything's fine when it's not. Like many of you, this year has made me feel repeatedly shaken and off kilter. And I was so ready today to talk about hope and being done with that. But then on Christmas morning when I woke up, those feelings were amplified as I learned about the explosion in downtown Nashville. And the more articles I read and pictures I see of that devastation, as well as the articles and charts and statistics about this pandemic, the more I'm aware of just how scary the world is right now and just how much more this has shaken us. This year has felt like a never ending fall and I'm wondering if we will ever rise. Our Advent theme was hope on the horizon and I'm thankful because I have felt a resurgence of hope. But every time I think it's just within my reach, something happens and it feels like it's still way off on that horizon. And I'm just waiting for it to come. So last night as I was trying to wrap my mind around what I was gonna say and how I was going to say it, I was reminded of the gift of community and how connected I am to people around the world despite how crazy everything feels right now. Seeing all the holiday cards and posts with smiling faces from family and friends that I miss dearly. Hearing the notifications going off on my phone as the people in our Sunday school class stay connected however they can. Praying together with the pastors and staff of our church as we continue navigating this unknown ministry terrain together. And it is through these things and so many more that I find ritual, that I feel hope, and I am able to release just a little bit more of my fear and despair. For these are the true blessings because they hold in tension the struggles and the gifts. May we all lift up to God those things to which we find most precious and sacred, dedicating our lives to bringing more love and light into this world. May we be participants who continue to prepare the way for peace and justice, continuing our vigil of waiting and watching for God. May we release those things that keep us living in fear so that we may embrace a new ritual of rising alongside one another. Lord, may it be so.
Amen.